All right, here we are again. The Real Dirt Podcast with Chip Baker. On today's dirt, we are coming to you live from the Amazon. Or you might not get it live, but we're recording it live from the Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear the jungle noises around us. There's birds and crickets and just like... Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. Today's guest on the Real Dirt Podcast is Jessica Baker. Jessica is a renowned herbalist and doctor of Chinese medicine. She has pioneered many applications of Western and Chinese medicine and is considered an authority throughout the country. Jessica teaches throughout the country, continuing education classes for essential oils and Chinese medicine. Besides that, she's also my lifelong partner and wife. Hello, Jessica. Hello, Chip. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is, uh, we've tried to get Jessica on the podcast uh, many times, and I'm glad we finally got it all together. Today we've been at a, this whole week, or wow, 10 days, we've been at uh, an ayahuasca retreat. Ayahuasca is a plant medicine that's native to South America, specifically Peru. Um, we're in near the Colombian border of Peru, off a little side shoot of the Amazon, and uh, uh, at, at Refugio Altoplano. My um, friend Kelly Green, aka Sparkles, uh, lifelong mission has been to be here. Now, normally we we talk about weed, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But we're going to mix it up with a little bit of uh, herbalism, Chinese medicine, uh, medicinal plants. Uh, and we'll probably talk about some this and that. So, Jessica, can you tell me your your earliest memory of of cannabis and what that was? My personal memory or just hearing cannabis? Yeah, that's a personal memory. Like, you know, I mean, you know, marijuana, weed, wacky, whatever. Well, like many of us, I was exposed to the D.A.R.E. program (laughs) as a child. And so I... That didn't work. And that obviously did not work. So I was exposed because of D.A.R.E., but I was also exposed because um, it was known that several members of my family smoked cannabis. Not my, you know, parents per se, but I, you know, uncles and aunts and just, it was there and, but I didn't comprehend that it was a plant that actually didn't come until after I smoked it, which seems kind of funny to me now as an herbalist that that was completely not in my realm of like, this is a plant. So I knew, or what I had heard was that, you know, it was a drug and that even the the family members of mine who smoked it were um drugging they were drugging <laughs> and they actually were drug addicts uh, you know cannabis was not the only thing they consumed and so i had just put it all together with all the right. other drugs and alcohol so many um, people do that and i th- i felt the same i i thought it was the same way i thought it was like heroin because of dare and like yeah. my parents right they uh it wasn't a plant yeah. Right. Wasn't a plant. Yep. So that was my first memory. And then I got into high school and I moved near my grandparents and my cousins. 
um, for the first time living near them. One of my favorite cousins smoked weed, and I dissed her all the time and told her she was running away or just, you know, all of the things um, that I just didn't understand, really. And then my senior year in high school, I had a boyfriend. I had one high school boyfriend, and he cheated on me, and I was really fucking pissed, and he didn't like... Typical high school shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So he hated all things alcohol or drug-related, and so I told my cousin Amy I wanted a cigarette and I wanted to smoke pot. (laughs) And so I did. And I started smoking both pretty much around the same time. Rebellion. That's what brought you. Yeah, yeah. Rebellion against a boy, you know, basically. And uh, then, you know, I was enticed by the ganja. And, uh, you know, that was kind of my start. So cousin Amy smoked you out. Cousin Amy, time. no, actually. Uh, you just asked. I uh, yeah, we talked about it. No, the first smoke out though was with some people I worked with in Chattanooga. I worked at an indoor playground for children, and um, it was like a New Year's Eve party. And I smoked a little, and then that's when I went to my cousin Amy and was oh, like, okay, "Okay, now like I want you to get me high." <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Can you remember what that was like when you, like, decided that it wasn't a quote-unquote drug, it was a plant? Did you know it was a plant then still? Let me ask how um, No, I don't—I yeah, still don't think it registered that it, was a plant. that it was a plant. I think what started registering was seeing the bricked-up, you know, brick weed. This is the 90s in the South. And— um, Seeds and stems, and that it started connecting, but really it didn't fully, like, I didn't fully get it until CAN, the Cannabis oh, Action Cannabis Network. Cannabis Action Network, that's right. Me and Jessica met in, uh, what year? 19... 1994. 1994, the University of Georgia Cannabis Action Network. Chip was the president. I <laughs> was the, the president of CAN. <laughs> And uh, I went trying to score a sack. <laughs> <laughs> so Jessica went to try to score a sack. There wasn't a sack there, but we met no. that day. Fell in love immediately. It took us a few years before we we really started going out. Uh, but we became friends, fast friends, immediately, and started <laughs> started consuming vast quantities of cannabis together. And it was your education on that hemp and cannabis and fiber and food and fuel and smoke and that's right because it's really when it became clear the time we really had to like like there was an acceptance on on cannabis use so we talked about hemp a lot in the cannabis because like the medical cannabis scene was not started Mm -hmm. yet and it was still very considered uh Inappropriate. Well, we all thought we'd get arrested. We all thought we'd get arrested, something like that, right? Uh, But we had a really happening group, and we did a lot of great things together. I remember one of the things we did, this is great, and I'll admit to it now, is we were actively involved in fighting against the propaganda. So... Somehow, 
I believe Kevin Applin gave me the idea. He was a Cannabis Action Network out of New Orleans at the time. And the idea was that we should go to the health department <laughs> at UGA and steal all of their literature that was anti-cannabis, right? Because they were just—it was just awful propaganda. That's such lies. They were saying, uh, you know, that, like you would—you loot your DNA changed. By yeah, that, that's cannabis, how you'd be infertile. Infertile. Sterile. Or so, whatever. like Jessica really thrived at this. I really liked that part. <laughs> she would go in. And her and her, her and her roommate Nina would go in and like, you know, either complain or about like a, a health issue or like because you had to actually go talk to like the counselor, guidance yeah. counselor or something or some, to do this. Yeah, so there was subversive, some... right? And and we stole all the pamphlets on cannabis. Well, lame. The pamphlets are gone. They can't give it out to anybody. Yeah. Right? We we also replaced them with some of our own pamphlets. Yes, we had our own flyers and stuff. <laughs> own flyers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember getting caught for that. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't. Oh, that the, the, the leader of the health department called me up. Oh, of course. And they cause... had like this series of master's people and they just, master students and teachers, and they literally just whipped my ass <laughs> right uh, and you know blah blah weed's bad weed's bad and I mean they were just all on me I couldn't argue with them at the time but they also told me how pissed they were because they didn't have any more money to reproduce that literature when they told me that I knew we had done a right thing right so we stepped up our game right and uh, went to the library we stole all the books that were propaganda. We just got rid of them. Just, uh, I'd worked at libraries for a long time, and uh, I knew how to pull out the magnetic device that tracked the, the books when you went in and out of the library. So we pulled out those devices and just threw them away, right? Uh, that was that was incredibly awesome. Do you remember the hint for paper? Yes. Yeah. All those stickers. T the stickers and the phone calls. The phone calls. The print center. Remind me. So too much was, cannabis smoking. <laughs> we we put out we put out these flyers that said call this number for hemp paper. Oh yeah. Don't you remember that? And it was to the, the school print shop, right? And they got, they couldn't answer the fucking phone fast enough. They got hundreds and hundreds of phone calls to where they also approached us and said, you got to stop this. We'll get hemp paper. How do we do it? <laughs> right. And that's when I knew we were starting to like win a little bit. And they got hemp paper. They got, you know, uh, they said it was too expensive and we got them a, a, a source. They even bought some from us. Right. Those are like incredible, so like incredible, incredible days. You were involved in one of the, the best things we did back then, though. The uh, we got the dorms to stop calling the, pe the police for smoking weed. Well, I still almost got kicked out of the dorm for smoking weed. Well, and 
roller skating through the hallway at 4 a.m. on another substance. But, um, but yeah, I f- it's funny. I forget about these things. Oh, man, that was one of the best moments right there. I thought you were going to say the um, Rainbow Coalition March we went on oh, with Jesse a- Jackson. That was pretty dope. Yeah, so Rainbow, uh, you know, there was a lot of information, a lot of the police have always... Um, how do I phrase this? There's been police brutality in the South for a long time, especially against minorities and people of color. And uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had some like some mental breakdown and walked out of his house naked. He was on PCP. No, that's what the cops said. He was on PCP. But remember, well, he was. Oh, no, that's right. They Mm-mm, said the he was on PCP, he was but on he PCP. was having, like, a psychotic break. break. He was having a psychotic yeah, break. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he was just literally walking out, and he was naked, and the cops killed him. Mm-hmm. You know, two cops shot him, killed him. And Jesse Jackson really took the issue. And uh, is that how it was? I'm not sure if the Rainbow Coalition was already formed. I th- it was already or, formed, right. but I think it's, they just decided to have a big, a big march. march. Have a in big Atlanta. march in Atlanta. And it was one of the first, like, it was really big, man. It was really big. There were one tons of, of like people that. there. So we show up on this five-mile march or something that we did. Jesse Jackson loved marches. And we had been tra- been training with the Green Panthers. You remember the Green Panthers? And the Green Panthers, they were taking, they took notes out of the Black Panthers playbook and uh, taught us about civil disobedience, how to organize at marches and rallies. So we made a bunch of signs. Yeah. And there were like a handful of us. I think four or five of us went. Yeah, it was Alana, Jessica. It was always Alana and Jessica. Yeah. Always Alana <laughs> and Jessica. Uh, um, and maybe Dave. Dave. Cheese dick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, if you're listening to this. That was one of your nicknames, but you were you were just so suave, right? <laughs> um, and so we made up all these signs and like passed them out. And they were cannabis-related signs, right? A lot of them were. Yeah, they were. A lot of them were cannabis-related signs. And that was one of the first times that we were out in public with this, with this big, cannabis. Yeah. And, right. I remember the police tried to search us. Yeah. We definitely were, there were, we were one of the very few white people there. Yeah, there was like five white people there. And it was us, right? Yeah. That, that weren't cops. Yeah, that weren't cops, <laughs> right. exactly. Right, right. Uh, and, and, you know, we got so many people that came up to us at that and supported the cannabis. And thanked us for being thanked there. thanked us for being there. And we were calling it cannabis back then, too. We, we, we immediately picked up on that. Yeah. Marijuana is a racist term. Jack Hare, he told us that, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, and, uh. And I remember there was a band playing at some restaurant, and they started playing Get Up, Stand Up by Bob Marley, and everybody mm-hmm. was so excited. Totally. <laughs> yeah, Get Up, Stand Up. Um, that really, like, that was really reinforced, you know, our activism, right, our cannabis activism. And, uh, 
you know, we didn't, it was in the South, so there wasn't that much cannabis. So that was yeah. how we got. Not that, not very much good cannabis. Or, I mean, <laughs> or at cannabis all, right? in general. Right? Yeah. At all. It was 1990s, <laughs> early 90s, man. Like, you know, Operation Green Merchant, it had just happened a few years before where they suppressed all of the grow stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so many, and, and the seed sales and high times and the equipment sales, mail order sales. Uh, they suppressed all that. Um, and and so, like, access was really, really difficult. It was also at the same time, there was a joint effort in the late 80s, early 90s, with a campaign against marijuana planting in Northern California, mm-hmm. right, uh, that su- further suppressed the supply, right? Up until then, you could pretty much, like, just plant weed outdoors and, and get away with it. There was nobody looking for it and up there up in Northern California. Wow, memory lane. Hey, I think this is a good point to take a break. This is The Real Dirt with Chip Baker and Jessica Baker. We'll be right back. These new episodes are made possible through some really awesome partnerships. We want to form long-term relationships with other entities who have similar goals. Thanks to Grower Soil, a line of soil and nutrients manufactured and developed right here in Colorado. Also, thanks to Cultivate Colorado with two stores in the Denver metropolitan area. Cultivate has one of the largest selections of indoor to horticultural equipment in the known universe. So stop by if you have any growing needs. Grow your dreams, cultivate your legend. All right, and we're back. Getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. Definitely eaten alive. Right, we're sitting in a, a traditional... A traditional style Peruvian building right now. Um, you know, interesting. This, it, it, if you're in it, it looks has a yurt type shape. Uh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, like eight walls here. Yeah, like eight walls. It's, it's you know, um, there's two floors. This is all like post beam wooden construction. Uh, the slats that are the the walls have 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 a, a gap quarter inch gap in all the slats. I guess that allows the uh, shrinking of the wood. Um, there is mosquito netting. There's mosquito screen. It's open air really. It's all screened in. Um, but there's you know uh, monkeys come in here and. <laughs> Uh, bugs, palmetto bugs, palmetto bugs, flying cockroaches. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's a really cool place to be. It's very much like our house in California. The shape of it. Yeah, I mean, um, our house is pretty luxury, but just <laughs> the shape of it. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. It's the not, yurt style. The yurt style. It's not two stories. But uh, anyway, eaten alive by mosquitoes. You can hear the, the jungle sounds at night. So uh, I'd like to talk to you about like medicinal uses of cannabis in traditional Chinese medicine. Okay, yeah. Um, so cannabis is one of the oldest cultivated crops in China. Um, some people say it is the oldest or the first cultivated crop in China. I don't know if that's true, but definitely lots of evidence of at least 10,000 years of human cohabitation, cultivation, evolution, whatever you want to call it, with cannabis. 
Um, Some of the archaeological evidence are, is astounding. It's literally in, it found in the oldest archaeological sites in China. Yeah. Right? Uh, hemp seeds, ashes, cannabis ashes, uh, uh, tinctures, preparations, all of that all have of been it. found. And right? the textiles and the textiles, everything. Absolutely. I mean, it was their plant for so much, you know, the literal food, fiber, medicine, sacrament, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, like much of the literature from China, you know, they we have these old texts that we use in Chinese medicine that are 2,000 years old. Um, Shen Nang is the divine farmer, they call him. And he, depending on who you talk to, was either from 25,000 years ago um, or more or less, you know, all the books say something different, but he is the father of agriculture, animal husbandry, and cannabis. So it cannabis is almost like in its own little category, I think, because it was used for so much. Um, and in the old text, they talk about cannabis being a, a very, um, one of our superior plants that helped us uh, astral travel, you know, uh, made sure that we, it promoted, you know, like our highest self. It allowed us to reach our full potential and um, something they called make the body light, which a lot of people now will just translate as it helps with weight loss. But really it was about, <laughs> I know, I'm like, hey, that's really deep people. Um, it, but it was really about you know, the creating that lightness of being we feel when we are elated and healthy and whole, which is also something that, um, you know, has gotten lost. In the modern text, they talk about the hemp seed, but they really don't talk about the rest of the plant anymore because I think, you know, during the Cultural Revolution and Mao and all of that, you know, anything that had to do with spiritual evolution or enlightenment got taken out and just the quote-unquote useful things got stayed in. So they talk a lot about hemp seed for um, definitely, like, helping, you know, all the things that we know those essential fatty acids help with brain health, but also um, keeping people robust and healthy and moistening the intestines, so helping you poo things out that would normally be stuck inside you. Um, so, <laughs> how, how were how were they using it in ancient? You know, place? they the books that I've come across at least really don't give you much information. It's two paragraphs on astral travel, make the body light, mm-hmm. and um, you know, help like help you see and fulfill your calling in life but they really don't get specific and i don't know i mean constantly as they unearth things in china people are translating chinese text but um traditionally the chinese text got translated from chinese to french to english Mm -hmm. and so now we do have more people translating from chinese there's only a few people that can read the classical Chinese, so there's more English-speaking people who are learning to read classical Chinese. And so I think as more of these books become known, like one of our oldest textbooks of Chinese herbalism, 
20 years ago, they found the text that predated the text that we use, but people have just now started translating it. Right. So as they translate these texts, you know, I think more information is going to come out. We just don't know what they're going to say. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I, I study anthropology, archaeology, and of course, like, you know, um, I wanted to find out how people were using cannabis, uh, lots of extract, I believe, hash, right back then. Um, I do remember, and this might have been... Because it was hemp, and even though it's drug, not, I mean, now we have drug cultivar and hemp, right? right? They just had one plant. Right, well, that they, like, you know, all things with cultivation, you start breeding for certain traits, Traits. because this one is the one for the seed, for the medicine, and this one is for the textile, and so I don't know when that was going on, but I do remember, it wasn't the Chinese, but it was um, other cultures where they would just make big vats and it was like a steam bath and everyone would just it would be on fire and they would basically just be breathing it in sure so it may not have been hash but it just seemed like mesopotamian yeah yeah uh, exactly like scythians and stuff yeah uh the one of the things that came from hash was the extraction of seed or one of the ways they developed hash it's theorized is the extraction of seed so if you can imagine there's a, a cannabis field, and people observe animals eating the butts, looking for the seeds, right? Because uh, they're very rich, protein-rich, high in amino acids. Um, they then noticed the animals get high, right? Because even though cannabis and THC has to be oil soluble, is the, the the hemp seed, the cannabis seed is super rich in oil, mm-hmm. right? So that was how it's theorized that humans observed it, right? Is through animal behavior, which is how we do everything. So much, yeah, right, 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 right. So then imagine like, <laughs> oh, going to extract hemp seed, right? And either if you're poking it out or you're beating it. Right, then you're gonna gr- get the resin on your hands. On your hands. Yeah. Right. Uh, eating it was the first way that people, you know, got high because now they're like, yeah. you know, extracting the seeds, right? Beating them in their hands, grinding it up to get the seeds, and then just eating handfuls of seed with the resin on it. Yeah. Right. So the, that's the logical way that people discovered cannabis. Right. Discovered the the psychoactive effects of cannabis. Then uh, that went to the hand rubbing of the plants in order to extract the hash, right? Yep. It was like really logical like way that it all happened, right? And in India to this day, they still make hash this way. They, They take their hands and they rub it up and down the buds. Right, and they go through the big field of wild-grown hash, wild-grown mm-hmm. cannabis, and just you know rub it, just rub it, and extract the uh, the resin from the buds without harvesting it. Right, fresh, live, the original, the original live, live resin. resin. Right, <laughs> and then make the temple balls. Yeah. Right, that's where the temple balls came Oof. from. 
Memories uh, of the Temple Balls. Uh, um, hey, let's take another break right there. This is Chip Baker, Jessica Baker with The Real Dirt. I got to get incredible thanks out to Denver Normal. They're an organization that advocates for the rights of every marijuana consumer in the Mile High City, while also creating long-lasting partnerships with local businesses that share our value. Thanks, Denver Normal. It takes people like you to really make the change. And we're back. We are getting eaten alive. Holy shit. Chip never gets eaten by mosquitoes. So for him to be eaten, you know they're bad. No, we're going we're gonna to carry on this podcast as long as we can. Uh, we do have a uh, appointment with the shaman in a little while. Um uh, it's been an incredible week here at Refugio Alta Plano. Uh, you know, ayahuasca is plant-based medicine that's used traditionally throughout the Amazon, throughout South America, and now throughout the world. Um, there's been tons and tons of research and information on ayahuasca uh, the past several years. Um me and Jessica have made fun of, okay, I've made fun of uh, people getting high on it, right, uh, and just having the hallucinatory effects. Um, it, our friend Kelly Green, a.k.a. Sparkles, he's been coming down here for 18 years and bought this place like uh, three or four years ago and has been trying to get me to come. Uh, and, I, and I've wanted to come down here with him because I knew how traditional it was. I knew that he had traditional Shipipo shamans. I knew about their songs. I knew about their training. Uh, and, I, and I've always wanted to come to this type of event as opposed to, you know, doing it in someone's living room or in some space in the city. Now, if that's your gig, I'm not going to discount it. Right. Everybody can get the medicine however they can get it. However, I think there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> hallucinatory drug use of the plant. There's a lot of combinations of what people consider ayahuasca to be. Right. Right. Traditionally, it is ayahuasca and chacruna. The male and the fe- the female and the male energies, and we heard the creation story, and it was beautiful. But some lodges will put in Datura or San Pedro, San Pedro or Campo, or other additives that they just said, you know, just other plants that maybe give you some sort of hallucination or stimulation. Designer drug. But um, as Jose was telling us today, it is. Um, it, it, the, the medicine is the ayahuasca and the chacruna, and that is gives you everything you need and not just a drug-like experience. It is the medicine. Absolutely. Um, so the chacruna has the DMT compound in it. It's a leaf. And uh, the ayahuasca is a vine. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Latin, Latin name of it. I don't. Oh, oh the uh, Banisteria, Banisteriopsis capi. Right. Um, 
and we we witnessed how they made the product. We've we've seen them collect it. We've been through the forest with the the shamans, and they've they've educated us about it. And it's been a really an incredible incredible experience. Um, but what we both noticed is this is a, a multi day ceremony experience, mm-hmm. yes. right? And uh, it's it. it not for the faint of heart. Not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it takes, you know, two weeks of a special diet. Um, and then we, you know, flew from Denver to Houston to Lima, overnighted in Lima, Lima to Iquitos, overnighted in Iquitos, and then an hour boat ride up the Amazon uh, to this incredible, incredible... 900 acre preserve right uh, and um, the, so incredible journey to get here you know no caffeine no sugar no no weed no weed we no have weed. not smoked cannabis now in three weeks three weeks or more a long time it seems been, like it seems like a long time but it's very as much as I love cannabis, I see cannabis being, I was using it like the drug that it's not. Yeah, you know, it was... Uh, we it was, puff heavy. We puff heavy, and it was definitely a doling of senses, and uh, not even, just not really not appreciating it for the medicine that go. it is, and just kind of using it as a crutch. Absolutely. Um, I work with all plants, so I, you know, it's interesting to see my own relationship with cannabis and how it wasn't in a healthy place mm-hmm. um but using my being an herbalist as an excuse to keep smoking it the way i was smoking <laughs> you know <laughs> and so sure it's been it's been really good to just be able to have this experience with ayahuasca and really almost like deepen my love for cannabis so much that I know I don't need it as much. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things about that Jose, our, our, our shaman here, Jose and Daniel, um, they said today that they only believe in using just the ayahuasca and the chakra leaf um, because it's not so hallucinogenic, and it can be. Oh, dude, <laughs> let me be. just tell you, it can yeah. be. <laughs> but what we've noticed is that you can just take a sip, and it will take your mind there, but it's the songs of Jose. He sings in Spanish, and Daniel, he sings in Chapipo. And these songs are ancient songs that are passed down through generations and hundreds of years. Thousands, thousands of, years. of years. Maybe thousands, who knows 10, how thousands many years. Of years. And and these these songs are the healing powers. Right? It it's not solely the ayahuasca and I believe that I don't see how you could get the effects without the songs well you know maybe I was thinking about this earlier because we've been talking about this like it's the songs it's the songs and 
Jose did say today it's the ayahuasca as well. It's all of it mm-hmm. uh, because she is the mother of, you know, of all plants, really. Yeah, but that's people. also when he said he doesn't, you know, he doesn't believe in the hallucinogenic like, right, right uh, application of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, i tell you, the first night it was pretty goddamn hallucinogenic. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I feel like two out of three nights so far have been the highest I have ever been in my life with the visuals and the moments and just the realizations. And really what I get out of the ayahuasca is uh, they are deprogramming years and years and years and hundreds of years and all of the lies Christianity told us and all of the lies we've been told by, you know, Everything, media, our mm-hmm. parents, because they don't know any better. Their yeah. parents. It's like the deprogramming of all the lies we've been told about right. who we are, mm-hmm. our relationship with the plants <sighs> and with the planet. And, yeah, you know, it's been really eye-opening to, to see that these are things that I've thought about in meditation and working with other plants. But this is like, at least for me, there is no denying Oh yeah, the the wisdom of this plant. <laughs> I uh, opening for sure. You know, it's kind of like a volume. There's a great explanation of it. I think is you've got your favorite band, Jerry Garcia. He's singing "Help on the Way," and you can listen to it at ten. You can put turn the volume up to eleven, right? Or you can hear the same song at very low volume. Right, and that's that's the ayah, right? The first night, drank a half a cup, right, of freshly made, like cut off the vine, made the day before. It's like yeah, right, and it it was pretty strong. It was pretty strong, um, maybe too strong to be able to really like receive the message. I, I got it. Second night, quarter cup, right? Dude, the message was clear, more clear to me on the quarter cup, right? And last night had a half a cup again, and the message was clear. Uh, but you, I don't think I need that much. Oh, I think he gave, I swear I got like two sips last night and was just floored. Yeah, I don't think Floored and flying. Yeah, I just need to open the door a little bit to see the light. I don't have to like, you know. Bust out the sensors. Yeah, totally. Right, right. We've got some great plant medicine here. One of the really cool things we did, um, we've done here, is walk around the forest and saw all of the plants that, are used for medicinal healing. We went to the marketplace and saw the the herbs and bought some herbs. Got a great compound for like mosquito bites. Uh, Sangre de grado. Yeah. The, dra- the blood of the dragon. Right. And this the 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 herbalism here is incredible. We've taken like flower baths and mm. and seeing what tree is good for what the sap of what tree is good for stomach ailments and the one that's good for liver ailments and you know like uh, the the noni yeah we we got a noni noni. patch and 
Um, we looked for some wild Colombian cannabis, but we never were able to find that. Uh, and that's just how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go to Colombia for that. We're going to have to go. Yeah, right, right, right. So Jessica's got a book coming out. I have a book coming out. I am in the developmental phase of editing right now. It's called Plant Songs, which I just think is hilarious because I didn't even drink ayahuasca yet, and I already am singing with plants and hearing their songs. And so it's just interesting to see that, like, so much of these songs, the um, Icaros, are songs of the plants and the plants healing, and they will literally infuse you with these songs of healing plants and that's basically what my book is about, is um, 16 different plants, 16 chapters, and just kind of following my life from childhood to now with plants and how they've inspired me or the lessons that I've learned from them infused with Chinese herbalism, Western herbalism, you know, references from other, you know, Culpepper, uh, who was an herbalist in like the 1600s, Galen... Theophrastus, you know, all of them from ancient Greek to, you know, as much information as I could find. So it's kind of all weaved together into these stories of how plants are here basically to heal us. And so being here has really just reminded me that that that's exactly what's going on. There were times writing my book where I'm like, this just seems kind of weird and crazy and am I making this stuff up? And then being here with the shamans and hearing their songs and their stories, it's like, no, man, I was just tapped into that ancient knowledge, you know? (laughs) So tell us about the cannabis chapter. The cannabis chapter uh, was one of the most difficult for me to write. Really? Well, at first it was the most easy. And then my editor, Jason... Uh, was just like, we need more of your personal story in this, in the cannabis chapter. And I realized that I had left a lot of my personal story out from being traumatized from 20 years of Humboldt County and living in the Emerald Triangle and law enforcement, law enforcement, eradication, hearing, yeah, all of it, just hearing all of their stories. So that is one thing that I'm still working on in the book is the cannabis chapter and trying to figure out what my own personal stories I can infuse in there more because I think it's important for my own healing and for everybody else who lived through eradication like that, that mm. uh, just hearing their stories and hearing the other stories of the people here have made, you know, it just makes healing easier when you hear somebody else's story. Uh, well, you've been writing the book for a couple of years. It's going to be out early 2018? Uh, yeah, maybe even by the end of this year. Who uh, knows? Oh, okay. It depends on, you know, as long as I can keep up with my deadline. And then when it gets over to the publisher, they say that could only take a couple months. So it could be mm. out by the end of the year. If not, it'll be out by the, yeah, by 2018. Until it's August, July, end of July right now. Yeah. August. Awesome. Well, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Jessica's favorite cannabis strains. We're going to get a grow tip. We're going to get a weed story on The Real Dirt. This is Chip Baker, Jessica Baker. Denver Normal is an organization that advocates for the rights of every marijuana consumer in the Mile High City, while also creating long-lasting partnerships with local businesses that share our values, a deep love for the community, the cannabis plant, and a commitment to educate our audiences. Thanks, Denver Normal. 
See, last we were speaking about uh, favorite strains, Jess. Let's talk favorite strains. Favorite strains. Favorite weed strains. Um, favorite chemovars mm-hmm. of cannabis. Cultivars? Chemovar, cultivar. Huh, you know, I can't say I've heard chemovar. Chemo. Chemo. Chemovar. Chemovar. Um, let's see. So, first of all, I'm just going to say that I'm not going to say Indicare Sativa. Because, as we know, those are pretty arbitrary terms at this point. So, my favorite strains are something called Jasmine, which is from the 90s that we are bringing back to life. And, um, from from, tell us this Jasmine story. Okay, the Jasmine story. Well, (laughs) tell us a good Jasmine story. Okay, I can't tell you the Jasmine story. (laughs) Tell us what Jasmine is. Jasmine is the Silver Haze Golden Boy. Golden Boy is some Hawaiian strain, or what we were told was a Hawaiian strain. Yeah, we never got the We never quite got the answer on that. I've heard Ontario, I've heard Bay Area, like... The initial seeds came from Vancouver. Right, from Mark Emery. Mark Emery at BC, what was that called back in the day? BC... What was it called back in the that Mark Emery? Yeah, before he went Hastings. to jail for years, they had the Cannabis Culture magazine, right? Yeah, right. And they had it wasn't a podcast, but they had like a television channel or something. Hot TV. Hot TV. And so is this amazing strain that just had these this leaf that is like blue green color that I haven't really seen on any other cannabis plant. And just the buds were like, how did your cousin Paul describe it the first time he saw it? That it like came from some other planet or something. Alien, alien. <laughs> All right. It's very, it's very dense. It has that uh, bubble-like um, darkness to it. It's very calyx oriented. That swells up. The calyx. Yeah, the calyx swell is up. just it gets swell. rock hard. And, and like oozes, oozes resin. Yeah. And like outdoor, when you, you the buds will get big as corn cobs, and you can break them open. And they're like golden. And it's in the golden middle. inside, just like kernels of corn, right? And there's a few other strains I remember doing that. One was called Sunflower. That was some of the first outdoor we got from Humboldt, and it, it had that similar thing. You broke open a nugget, like crack it open, like a like corn. <laughs> Right, and you could see the 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 huge calyx on it, huge ball seed pods. So Jasmine's one of them. Why, why is it your favorite? You know, it's a that's a hard question. I just I love the smoke. I love the color, the smell, the way it makes you feel. It was just one of those like it's like enlightening. Heavy, it's a heavy incense smell. Very heavy incense, and some people thought it was like too heavy, but for yeah. me, it was really like up. 
I didn't really get well. Well, if, if you survive the first like 15 minutes of it, it pick you up. That's true. Yeah. It, <laughs> but there's hybrids point. of that coming back around. Yes. Right. We're the, excited about we that. We are excited. We'll see what the next ski, incarnation ski, is. Oldski Woldski friends and people have stored seeds and cracked them. Kept it alive. Yeah, to some degree. Right. Right. Well, right. you know, the babies of it. <laughs> <laughs> so then my other favorite would be the, well, one of the, my favorites would be the original train wreck. None of this Afric crap. That or Arcata wreck. Or the Arcata wreck. None of that crap. But or like E32 the, or any of that shit. The original, where it is like pure just petroleum smell. Thin leaf. Thin leaf. Tall thin stem. Lanky, falls over. Yeah. Hard to grow. But right. just strong. Ong, it was like. Paranoid it is, high. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously I like those really strong highs is kind of what the theme of this is. Um, and then Sour D. I mean, I love Sour Diesel, man. Um, it's just, again, not the easiest to grow. Some people don't even like to grow it. But, again, I, I think I just like petroleum smelling weed. <laughs> the fuel. I like the, the strong, fuel. The I like, strong. Yeah. yeah, right. Right, right. And it just kind of keeps going and going. And if you do love it, man, it will produce. Yeah, she's she's a beauty. Why do you think that sour diesel of all those strains, like sour diesel is the one that stayed? Because, I mean, you know, 91, 92, first, like, introduction of that strain. Why do you think it stayed? Because people don't grow train wreck anymore, Mm-mm. you know. I think just the demand was so high, and that's why it stayed. Well, because you, you can still sell it. Because rappers rapped about it? I don't oh, know. Okay. I mean, you know, I think definitely having a bunch of people rap about it helped. Mm-hmm. Got a really good color. It's light color. It's uh, a really consistent strain. Like, it, it's one of those things people can identify by smell and look. Yep. Right. But, yeah, rappers rapped about it in the marketing. I just have to say, not being able to smoke as we talk about all this is kind of funny. Yeah, totally, huh? Because <laughs> all your other podcasts are like smoking out, and we, <laughs> we're we not smoking yeah, out. We don't smoke out on all the other podcasts. Um, all the Tony Don't Smoke OG podcasts. If you haven't downloaded Tony Don't Smoke OG podcast, it's Weed Snobbery with uh, me and my good buddy Tony and a few other T-300. guests. T-300. T-300 and... I-225 and uh, uh, THC Farmer and a couple other great, great people that are on that podcast. Um, so uh, uh, those are your three favorite strains or just three you've named? Let me see. I, those might be my top three. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Was it, oh, well, I really like Pineapple. Just for a whole nother reason, that was just fun to see outside and mm-hmm. short and squat and totally uplifting high. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I'm gonna say those are my top three. So you, you we've spoke about our cannabis enthusiasm um, and our history together the past twenty plus years with cannabis and each other. Can you? Things have changed. Things have changed. Let's talk about the good and the bad. Man, I'm just 
getting eaten up still. <laughs> or maybe it was that walk in the jungle we just took. We took an know. awesome jungle walk. Okay, but the good and the bad of the changes. The good is people don't feel like criminals anymore. And Well, in a few states. In a few states. Well, no, no. Actually, all over the country, people think it's legal now. Even right, if it's even not. The, yeah, that's true. There's a, the whole dynamic of like the stoner mentality changed. I think that uh, some ganja farmers have also gotten a little bit more like respect for what they do because now they're providing like a commodity instead of a quote unquote drug. Or high, that's the, the value of the crop is dropped. So many people that were involved with it, you know, uh, the, the people that are involved with it currently have heart well some of right. them do. well you know it's different when it's a thousand bucks a pound is when it's five thousand bucks yeah a pound. but if you're gonna just you grow two out, or three thousand pounds they may not have the heart you just want the, you know a well, little bit more you go two hundred thousand two two thousand pounds at a thousand dollars a pound right you just made two million dollars well, in 1995 you had to grow 500 pounds to make $2 million. So that's my point, is that, like, because the people are growing more, it means that their heart's in it more. Because they're making making less money. Right. I mean, it takes way more to grow 1,000 pounds or 2,000 pounds and 500 pounds. I mean, you can grow 500 pounds by yourself. Right. Yeah, 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 I know. You That's actually a bold can, statement, though. but it can be done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's, you know, I think those are the positives. The bads, are there, the bads are, you know, a bunch of people are breeding shitty strains and bad seeds and, like, passing around, like, horrible, like, there's so much better weed out there, but you go to, like, a dispensary and it's just crap. No offense. Yeah, it is, there is a bunch of BC <laughs> bud in the country again. And that's kind of a shame. We were, like, having this really high standard, and now the standard's just dropping. And, like, people are like, I'll just go get some mediocre weed and go eat at McDonald's. And, you know, that's like... Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like we could elevate that culture a little bit more about, like, quality over quantity. And become. quality over just whatever that you think is the best, but actually being, having some standard that's not just your egotistical standard because you think you grow the best. Yeah. What's that saying about wine? Sell, sell no wine before it's time. Yeah. Right. Harvest no weed before harvest it's time. Harvest no weed before it's time. Because that's a one big problem. Is everyone's harvesting early. week rotation. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's an eight-week or 11-week Right. Strain. They don't understand that each strain needs its own time not um, specific yep. attention yep. right uh it's also a name game don't you think yeah but the names are stupid and mean nothing well i agree but like in for instance in colorado everybody's got 77 strains because they claim that their customers demand the variety they don't demand right? that much No, variety. they're just, they buy some shitty weed and they're like, oh, I didn't like that. I'm going to buy something else. And they buy some more of your shitty weed <laughs> and they're like, oh, I didn't like that. And that spurs it. Yeah. But like, if you got, you know, fucking top five weed, people are going to buy that shit because it's the top. It's the best. Right. And I know maybe some of the analytics don't support it, but that's because people are looking at it wrong. 
Right. Okay, sorry, just to backtrack on other favorite weed, Neville's Haze. Oh, Neville's Because just, it's ugly, it takes forever, you get no yield off it, but man, you are just soaring. Heart pounding high, totally. Sorry, that just popped into my head. No, I remember that, and, and the like, like, the ghost train wreck Neville's Haze cross. Yeah. That shit was great, great. People still grow that. Oh, I'd like to have some of that. Yeah, yeah, hint, yeah hint totally, to totally. whoever's growing it. Yeah, it's out there. I mean, <laughs> you know, DNA put that out for a while through their uh, uh, the Reserva Pravada sub brand of theirs, right? You know, the bad is also these. Just you go to the trade shows, and it's just that eighteen-year-old mentality of scantily crest, or not only like the ego, but it's just like. They think sex sells, and it's like, man, people want sophistication. They don't want a sleazy girl in a tight dress. Oh, everybody wants a sleazy girl in a tight dress, but you can be sophisticated about it. Well, it's just so <laughs> sleazy and just no, so not mature. It's, a, like, and it's like, come on, dude. There's We have... If you're going to act like you have respect for this like mother plant of cannabis, man, have respect for the ladies. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, dude. No doubt. People are really trying hard with cannabis, right? And they want some, and I say this all the time, people have their magic, right? And they come into our store, Cultivate Colorado, and they call me and they're like, I got this special magic, magic, magic thing that I do that makes my weed better. And almost all the time, the weed isn't better. It's this magic that they like claim. It's their ego. Have, they they e- can't see past the fact that they think they did it better. Than yeah. It's... And we all have our ego, man. Don't get me wrong. I have been there. That's what keeps me going. And I may go there again. I'm just saying. Like, let's really, like, pump up the standard. Another bad are what I call the pink shirts. (laughs) They are the Google and Yahoo or executives or just whoever you Mm -hmm. were from your, like, you know, whatever job you had before. And now you have money and you want to invest and you know nothing about the plant. You throw millions of dollars into something ignorantly and arrogantly and then you walk around in your suit and you're just like, I'm so cool. <laughs> and you don't really know anything about it. And you don't really seem to care about the plant or the love of the medicine or anything. It's just your next profit, which, again, is fine, man. We live in a capitalist society. But, like, at least educate yourself. Have some respect. Like the, and have some respect. The wine industry, for instance. Again, you yes. You get people with millions of dollars that roll into the wine industry and they educate themselves on yeah. real education and know what's going on and have true desire over it. Yeah. But so many people involved with cannabis are just there for the cash. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's good profit margin. Even if it costs $500 a pound, you can make money on it. Right. But, uh, man, like, it's, it's the lack of respect, for sure. You know, and I think one thing we come from is people respected it so much because of, you know, what it gave you. Well, it was right? your livelihood. It was, it was everything. If, you know, you could go to jail forever for it. And, you know, it's that, like, like mm, that fight, that strain, that struggle. Right, that develops an admiration for it. And so many people now are involved in the cannabis industry 
that never had to run from the police well, they or are their not, friends yeah. out or see like families that they yeah. knew. They weren't the freedom everything. fighters, but, man. Mm-hmm. The freedom fighters deserve the respect, not just like, oh, well, now it's legitimate and like I can do it better because it's legitimate widget, and widget, I'm not widget, a criminal. Widget, 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 widget. It's just not true, man. It's just not true. Right? Everybody, so many people. I know we're just bagging right now. <laughs> you know, so many people get this. They smoke a joint and they say, I can make a million dollars of this shit. And I've seen it happen. Right? 100%. I've seen, like, you know, people do that. But, you know, for the plant, it would be much, we would all be much better off if. We didn't have the monetary aspects of it so much, right? And that people did it for the quality. They did it for the plant. They did it for the development. They did it for the R&D. They did it for the medicine, right? Yeah, absolutely. What's a good? Let's talk about the good since we've been bagging. Okay, since we've been bagging. I mean, you know, again, back to the good, the fact that people... Yeah, people don't necessarily have to go to jail forever. They get their life back. They can be proud of what they do. They can talk about what they do. Um, people are being converted, like the pink shirts, which is always a positive thing because part of, a lot of those people will embrace the plant. And, you know, cannabis has a way of, like, enticing you and making you fall in love with her. So I think that is definitely going to happen. And, uh, yeah. She's a sexy bitch. Just the lies and the, like, shame and the guilt and the, like, fear can really just go away for a lot of people, which I think is awesome. Especially in the California model, how they're legalizing, uh, you know, Humboldt County, for instance, is really kind of embracing, hey, if you've been doing this before, now come get your permit and uh, we'll help you. And so, whereas before, Humboldt County was very negative towards cannabis growers, now they are really embracing the people in their community, and it's about time because a lot of money was not spent in the community, and Humboldt County kind of became a shit show. And it's the Wild West, and there's a bunch of drugs and problems and violence, and that's county's poor. The county is poor, although they have billions of dollars in the cannabis industry, and that being funneled into the county is going to be amazing. Absolutely. And that goes for all counties that embrace it. Yeah, we saw it happen in Denver. We saw how the development took off between literally 2009 and 2017. Like, I mean, it's growing today. It was fast tracked till 2014, 15. But like, you know, people made money and the number one investment people make is in real estate. Yeah. Right? And they buy a second home, they buy a second business, they buy a second warehouse, right? And that infrastructure like really has, you know, multiplying effects, right? Absolutely. And the schools and the oh, fire department dude. and everybody, you know, everybody benefits in the end. I know. I wonder if that's why the fire department's so pissed off in Colorado or Denver is because they don't get enough money from it. Probably. And the schools are getting all the money. Maybe that's what we should do. <laughs> they, or Denver should do is like start diverting some of the money to the fire department. Right. I mean, I understand they're the public safety wing, but they give they give people the most problems. Oh, they're they're hard asses. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, totally. I, I'll probably get some backlash over that one, but hey, you know, 
Hey, the truth hurts. The sometimes. truth hurts. Like when you roll in and you're like, oh, you got to fix this, and you fix it, and six weeks later they roll back in. It's like, oh yeah, you got to fix this too, and then six weeks later they like say, oh, you got to fix this too. It's like they know you got to fix all this shit when they see it. Mm-hmm. So right? Just say it, so all, just at say it all at once, and you know, stop the harassment. Can we just keep on bagging? Where's the good? I've been talking about the good Humboldt County. I know we all just the went money back to bagging though. Like <laughs> you went back to bagging. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, more good things. Well, more good things is, you know, more people smoking cannabis, more people using CBD, more people excited about terpenes, you know, just like really exposing the fact that it's just not THC or just CBD, mm. but it's the all of the constituents of the plants that are providing the medicine, providing the high, providing the experience, providing the like connection. And I just think all oh, that's amazing. I remember in 2008 when I started you know, well, I, in 2008, I had employees with Royal Gold. I started the Royal Gold in 2006. But I remember in 2008, we had a marketing campaign, and I put, you know, hey, this inc- our technique increases terpenes levels. And, and my employees thought I was making it up. the word terpenes <laughs> up. They'd never heard of it, right? And now it's commonplace. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, in the last year, terpene is the buzzword. I mean, I, that's I even got asked to write that article in an aromatherapy journal. Uh, for those of you who don't know, aromatherapist, we have known about terpenes forever um, because they are in all plants. <laughs> not just gone. Well, not all plants, but you know, definitely high in all of the the aromatic plants. And so, basically, an aromatherapy journal wants to talk about cannabis because of the terpenes, and it was. You know, great opportunity for the aromatherapist to learn about cannabis and for cannabis enthusiasts, stoners, whoever, to really understand that, hey, this, complex. it's a complex plant with a lot of constituents, but also other plants have it, too. It's not this mystical, magical thing that only belongs no, to cannabis, <laughs> because we really, you know, my hope for the cannabis future legalization and just acceptance is that we realize it is a plant and there are tons of other plant medicines that we can use and we don't have to latch on to just one as the be-all panacea that's going to cure everything right because we need all the plants for that right whether it's ayahuasca or cannabis or lavender (laughs) or peppermint or you know lemongrass like whatever it is they are all going to provide some value Right. Oh, yeah, spray that bug bite. Oh. Speaking of lavender, man, lavender for bug bites and Ooh, itchy skin, yeah. burns. Oh, it's God. amazing. <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to have to take a lav- lavender back. Hey, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's take a quick break right there. This is The Real Dirt. Download this and other episodes on therealdirt.com, or you can check us out on iTunes, The Real Dirt Podcast. Ow! Ow! These new episodes are made possible through some really awesome partnerships. We want to form long-term relationships with other entities who have similar goals. Thanks to Grower Soil, a line of soil and nutrients manufactured and developed right here in Colorado. Also, thanks to Cultivate Colorado with two stores in the Denver metropolitan area. Cultivate has one of the largest selections of indoor horticultural equipment in the known universe. So stop by if you have any growing needs. Grow your dreams, cultivate your legend. 
That's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> that's, totally, uh, that's what I get. Uh, so, okay, give me a weed story, Jess. Weed story. Okay, so there are so many good weed stories. Oh, this is a funny one, and since I got away with it, I can totally talk about it. Oh shit! Which did you get away? What what thing did you get okay, away with? So that talking about right now. This is the trip to Maui. Oh shit! This was great. <laughs> what year was this? This was definitely pre nine eleven because like TSA wasn't any you know that wasn't happening, and so it must have been ninety nine maybe. Was. Yeah. So me and two of my really good friends, Val and Christy, were going to Maui to visit another friend of ours named Tracy. And she, so, of course, we're going to be gone like 10 days, and I was definitely going to bring weed, because I did have my 215, my medical cannabis card, and so I wore these pair of pants that had metal buttons, and I didn't notice. And for some reason back then, I just put the weed in my pocket, which is not... It's probably like a sandwich bag, dude. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I think I tripled up the sandwich bag oh, yeah, or something, right, right? Right, right? So we're going through security, and the, my button gets beeped in the freaking metal detector. So then they do the wand over me, and it keeps beeping. And I'm like, shit, that's the pocket with the weed in it. And so they're, so they're like, what's in this pocket? And I'm like, nothing. They're like, no, there's something in this pocket. So I, like, bust it out, and, you know, there's, like... You pull out the sack of weed. I pull out a sack of weed. It's probably an ounce or so. You know, hell a quarter pound on you. No, it was like a nah. It was probably like an ounce, <laughs> maybe like an ounce and a half. So a Dutch ounce is a Dutch <laughs> ounce, which is a hundred grams. <laughs> so then we are, you know, my friends are just looking at me, and everyone at the plane is looking at me. You know, everyone through the security, and so I, you know, all the people on the plane, all are the there. people on the plane are there, and you know, it's like getting ugly. And then they're like, well, this is illegal. And I was like, no, no, look, I have my 215 card. Well, it had expired like a few days before. And I was like, ah, right? And there are these two male cops and a female cop. And they're like, well, what should we do? What should we do? And I'm like, hey, I I think it's legal in Hawaii too, right? Like I was just trying to like bargain with them. And these guys were totally trying to be dicks. And this female cop, who was obviously the alpha, just said, Take it and go. Just walk away. So I'm like, I put it in my pocket. I walk away. And the guys are trying to stop her. And she's like, nope, let her go. So, ooh, that's a windstorm. So they let me go. And everyone on the plane sees this happen. And they are just like, everyone's like as excited as I am, right? And then my other two girlfriends, they had ganja food. So they're over there, like, eating ganja food while I'm dealing with these cops, you know. And then Trying they, to get rid of the evidence. <laughs> and so then they see it, and we're like, whoa. And then all these people are like, did they just let you go? You know, all these strangers are like, did you just get away with that? I was like, I totally just got away with that. You want a ganja cookie? <laughs> so then we, like, dose some people on the plane with ganja brownies or whatever they were. You're I think. passing out ganja food yeah. on the plane so we're passing out ganja. Hawaii. The part, the plane to Hawaii was like a party. People were, I didn't drink at the time. Still don't much, but, you know, I definitely didn't drink then. And um, they, it was a, a party on the plane. And I think part of it was the fact that everyone was so stoked that I just got away with something. I was so new back then. <laughs> and it was like... so new. Like, that was just like, I 
have never been thankful for a cop before. Is that in San Francisco? This was in San Francisco at SFO. And it was beautiful. <laughs> you guys were so happy. We were so that. happy. Jessica became a, a cult hero among her friends for a while. <laughs> and so then, of course, we get to Maui, and it's all epic, and we, like, smoke all our weed, and we have to get more, and it was good. It was just overpriced. <laughs> we were glad, you know, bring your own. <laughs> oh, hell, that's great. That's a great story. Oh, man. I, I, I think that's... That's one of my favorite ganja stories with you, right? It's a good one. Yeah, I got a good one now. The Canadian border. I'll let you tell this one. <laughs> Me and Jess had been like camping out in our in a car up in Canada. Total yeah, hippies. Yeah, total hippies. Smoking like every night we'd smoke a joint in the car. In the car. Right, and uh, had no idea we were stinking out. And, or, I, or maybe we just didn't so care. So we're leaving, we're driving back and uh, into uh, into the U.S. Was it a rental car? Yeah. Okay. And uh, going back into the U.S. And we get pulled over for search, secondary. Right? The dog, like, was all over the car or something. A little basset arm. So they're like, kind of break our balls over the weed smell and we're like look dude we don't got any weed we don't got anything it smells like weed like we smoked the joint it was legal in cop you know it was legal there oh yeah we were like why would we bring canadian weed back california weed is better remember we told him that yeah yeah, yeah right, right, right right we're going back to Humboldt. right right <laughs> so like these cops were trying to scare us and they uh they 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 started to separate me and jess and Jess just stood this, like, these, like, two huge fucking Neanderthal cops down. Just looked them down. They, like, wanted to search her. They well, wanted to question her. Well, she just... I, told, I showed him my prescription. Uh-huh. And I was like, we don't have no weed. Yeah, and I showed him my prescription, and they're like, well, you look healthy. What's your medical condition? And I said that that was confidential information between me and my doctor, and that they had no right to ask me about, you know, basically about my health. And they got kind of confused over that. And again, a female cop was there just smiling because she you know she was just she knew smiling. the guys she worked with were dicks and jessica was totally putting these guys into place and they i was like would, so young they kept i know they <laughs> kept like trying to like this that this that and she was like checkmate 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 right 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's easy when you've been lying to cops since you were nine years old. And we didn't have anything on us. I know. We right? definitely didn't. We just because, smelled like a little weed. And well, we, we probably smelled like a lot of weed. weed. Yeah, but. totally, totally, totally. But they didn't even search us. No. In the, in the end, we were like, yeah, they didn't even search us. No, because the dog, you know, probably didn't like cut, you know, whatever they, they were looking for. The dog didn't like sniff out a specific area of the car, probably because it was just... Diffused through the car. You know, I, I remember looking at it, and I don't think the dog smelled it out. I think this is a common, like, police thing. They just run the dog around it and, like, the dog indicated. Right. Right. Well, and, you know, in Canada, they just don't want, like, hippies there. You, They really only want you in there if you got money to spend. Well, and it was U.S. cops who were doing this. Oh, yeah, because it was the, the way US back in. U.S. cops. Yeah. Right, right, right. Which we just know how they are. Yeah, totally. Border control. Oh yeah, that 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 was a fun one. 
Yeah, we used to go to Canada a bunch. Yeah. We been there in years. Well, no, we were just there last year in Vancouver, remember? After Alaska. Oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah, a yeah, night, yeah, yeah. Just a night, though. Right, right, right. Oh, that's a good, that's a good weed story. We go to the medical dispensary there, and they say, oh, you have to have a Canadian prescription. And so I asked the guy, I say, well, is there some place we don't have to have a prescription? <laughs> So they sent us down the road. Yeah, surprisingly, there was a whole nother, like, place down the street. Like, you know, a whole nother store that you could buy it without having the prescription, or they didn't care. Uh, so the woman is describing the weed. Well. And, you know, in typical Canadian fashion, love you Canadians. They didn't, it was like an all alternate dimension or alternate universe up there it's not quite the same as the u.s but it's real similar so she says oh yeah these are og and this means ocean grown so like it'll have a slight salty ocean taste <laughs> we just looked at her like did we understand that yeah. correctly so like in the in the in the u.s they'll put cush behind strains to like you know, give them a, a more of a sales base, right? So it might not actually be OG Kush, but like they'll put like orange Kush or diesel Kush or purple Kush just behind the name, Kush behind the name. But in Canada, all these place, this place, it was all OG in front of the name. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Hilarious. OG train wreck. Right. It was the bucket of Oh, the weed yeah. we bought there was so bad, it was so though. Bad. It was so bad. I remember that. I remember that. But, you know, you get what you get when you're on tour, so to speak. That's true. All right. How about how about grow, grow tip? Coming from a plant perspective. From a plant perspective, you know, kind of what we touched on earlier is, like, look at the plant as an individual and see what it needs, not you know, you decide you want to grow 10 different, you know, strains, and then you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to harvest this all on the same day without even really looking to see what the plant, you know, look for the cues in the plant. What does it need? Some need more water. Some need more fertilizer. Some need more light. Some need, you know, staking up more. Some need 12 weeks. Some need, you know, nine. It's... So what do you say to the people who, who say, well, it's a commercial operation, you can't do that? Well, if you know what you're doing, you can. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that great, it's simple answer. So l- let me ask you this then. If you've got seven different strains with seven different requirements that you're growing, how do you deal with it? Well, I would say you have maybe seven different reservoirs. If that's, you know, if, if, if they're going to be that it. different, if they're right. going to be that different. And maybe if you don't know what the plant's going to do, grow a little bit of it first Mm -hmm. before you try to do, you know, this huge garden. Like, figure it out, exactly. Right, right. Or, you know, maybe instead of just thinking that you're the best grower, maybe ask people their Mm -hmm. experiences with it. You mean like Google or other growers? No, like other growers. Uh (laughs) Definitely don't ask Google. There's some information out there, but... Well, I'm sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm not as much of an internet junkie, so... I don't, right. know, I don't even know if I've Who are you ever, calling a junkie? I don't know if I've ever even Googled cannabis anything. Really? Oh, I mean, okay. I, I live with you. You're my Google. <laughs> Another grow tip is uh, just love the plant, man. Don't just think it's like, 
it's all about you and it, this plant's just there to provide for you because you're there to provide for the plant too. And when you have that, like, Chip has this great symbiotic relationship with cannabis of just like, man, he can read the plants. The plants really respond to him. I mean, he'll touch something and make it look like he just manhandled it and nothing in the plant just like bends i'll touch a stem and it like snaps off in my hand sometimes and he's like don't be so rough and i was like i was just so gentle (laughs) so you know it's really about communicating with the plant now you communicate with the plant i do but you know i i communicate with a lot of plants you cannabis is like your plant and i mean cannabis is my plant too but you know You've got, you've, I think you guys must have evolved from the same seed or something. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your favorite plant then in the plant kingdom? Oh, I know what it is, but why don't you tell our, our, our audience what's your favorite plant? What, is? What's my favorite plant? Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of feel like that mom who can't say they have a favorite child, but. I'm going to say one of Jessica's top plants is nettles. Nettles is definitely one of my top plants. Yeah, nettles is one of my top plants. Why? Rose. Let's talk about nettles. Why do you like nettles so much? I like nettles, one, because if you don't pay attention to them, they will sting the fuck out of you. <laughs> so they're your like, reminder to like pay attention to what's going on. But they're really nutritive. Tons of iron and calcium and micronutrients. And, and you can eat it. You can drink it as, well, steam it. You can't eat it raw. Um you can make like nettle lasagna. The nettle soup is like the most delicious thing on the planet. You just feel like nurtured. All that vitamin A. And just like so much chlorophyll. I mean, the whole thing is just like the epitome of green is <laughs> nettle. You make a tea and it is just like green. What's with the histamine or antihistamine? Yeah, property? the histamine reaction. So if the stinging creates. Um, like an irritation. So if people have like arthritis or something, sometimes they'll even like hit themselves with the stinging nettle. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, can, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but it really does help with that pain. It also helps with all sorts of dermatitis and it's just a great plant. But it's hard to have a favorite because now, I don't know, now ayahuasca might be one of my favorites now that I know it's the mother of all plants. And it truly, truly is. I mean, the whole Amazon, man, this is definitely where life begun. So the more I learn the plants down here, I'm sure I'll have more of these favorites. Yeah, it just blows me away that out of the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of vines and thousands and thousands and thousands of leafy plants, that somewhere along the way, natives picked two plants that weren't food sources and put them together as a medicine okay well first of all natives didn't do that the ta- the plants told them what to do and the creation story of ayahuasca and chacruna we talked about a little bit but the um there were a, a, a couple they were medicine a medicine man and a medicine woman that were married and the eventually they Killed all the people with their knowledge of the plants and the earth and just, you know, probably all sorts of astral whatever healing they were doing. And the man died and they planted, um, they buried him and 
the villagers would tend to his grave. And then years and years later, the woman died. And they buried her beside the man and tended to the grave, cried over it. You know, everyone was now really sorrowful. Oh, so when the man died, too, all of his power went into the woman. Yeah. Right? So then she had the power of both her husband and herself. And then when she passed, they tended their graves and cried over it. And then one morning, there was the chacruna plant growing where they buried the man. And there was the ayahuasca vine where they buried the woman and basically these plants told them that this was the medicine of them together so when you blend the chacruna with the ayahuasca you get the power of both the yin and the yang or the man and the woman Um, and that is how the people knew to put them together was because they embodied the medicine people of their tribe I love this story. There's there's so many things interesting about it. One I, that I find is interesting is it, is this a matriarchal story? Like all ancient traditions, right. matriarchal. Two is, uh, you know, the 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 ayahuasca vine is what they call the medicine. The DMT is actually in the tracuna leaves, and the vine allows us to process it right is the vine an mao inhibitor i believe so okay i believe so so. and i think that's why you can't be like on saint john's wort or antidepressants when you take it right right so you know the interesting part is that the the locals here and the shamans they they say it's the ayahuasca that's the power right because it's the divine mother yeah yeah, no, I, I would like to read up on that and actually see what, you know, at least the scientists say is happening there. Because I am curious. I've never actually, haven't looked into it enough to, like, see what kind of reaction is happening with the plants together. Yeah, well, that's what's going on is it allows the ayahuasca, the chemicals in it, allow us to hold on to the DMT longer than a few moments mm. right because oh, so the dmt it. you only are able to like your body like absorbs it immediately and just like you know and, and like that you know just uh absorbs it immediately and um digests it so to speak where the ayahuasca allows you to hold on to the dmt for periods of time and it's definitely somehow doing that through the digestion because mm-hmm. it is a very, whatever, you know, neurons are, that are happening between the brain and the gut is definitely happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think that something else happened. I mean, I like this story. I think that it's a gringo chicken. Gringo says something else happened. <laughs> no. Oh, gringo says something else happened. <laughs> Chip's theory is that. Who time and, traveled? You chicken, chicken and the egg, right? I believe that someone either now in the past or in the future eating ayahuasca, taking ayahuasca, time traveled, astral projected themselves back in time to the first people and showed them how to use it. Oh, that's pretty heavy. Totally. I will say... Ayahuasca, I definitely traveled to other planets this People week. People talk about it. I mean, it was absolutely true. Like, Terrence we lifted off, about it. we came back, 
I had this whole, like, I mean, I don't want to get into it. That's a whole nother topic. But, yeah, that shit's strong. <laughs> and so maybe it was a time travel. But I, as a plant person and as a medicine woman, um, <laughs> I really like the other story. I like the creation myth story. Um, I just, you know, I, I, it's so beautiful, it's beautiful and romantic. romantic. And just, you know, it feels right. It feels right because, you know. Definitely back in the day, we were more in touch with everything. We communed with every single thing. So why wouldn't these plants embody spirit and, you know, lead the way for how we can heal? Because really, when you are with true shamans like Jose and Danielle here, man, they are here to heal the world. And that is really what we all need they ain't shamans for they sure. are here to heal the world and their whole joy is turning people on to themselves and how great they are so they can be better people for everybody else and they're they don't like cannabis i, I think they because too many people use it as a drug they say it's dulling and it is dulling to the senses right and to the ayahuasca and to the ayahuasca right yeah, yeah, and the, and for them, ayahuasca is the mother, the mother of all of us, whether that's plant, animal, or human. Man, that's why they don't want anything to dull the mother because they want that co- direct connection with the divine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe it also like wasn't one of their. Like when China, you know, it is one of their oldest, oldest cultivated crops. And maybe that's just not the case for this culture. No, it's not. I mean, it's not native to here. It so, was imported. So that's why. It's not their native plant, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> they got some much stronger shit. Yeah, they're like, oh, that? That ain't shit compared to the mother. Right, right, right. They, uh, and they, what's the, what's the tobacco they smoke here? Mopacho. Mopacho, which is, uh. Nicotinus rusticanus, the the original uh, tobacco plant, right? That's that's from here, right? <laughs> I know. I feel like maybe we should take some home. I, I won't become a tobacco smoker. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think we're gonna get a rainstorm here? Oh, we're yeah. I think so. I think it's coming up, man. It means the mosquitoes will get enlivened. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Let's listen to it for a second. Hear the thunder in the distance. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a great episode of The Real Dirt. I've wanted to interview this guest for a period of time. Thanks for joining us. If you like this episode of The Real Dirt, please download it at therealdirt.com or The Real Dirt Podcast on iTunes. Please subscribe to uh, our internet or our email list uh, for special offerings and additional content um you can also check jessica out at baker botanica um and uh jessica baker lac dot com jessica baker lac dot com licensed acupuncturist as an acupuncturist right all right well this has been the real dirt thanks jessica thanks chad I want to thank you all for joining us today on The Real Dirt. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Cultivate Colorado, Denver Normal, Cutting Edge, 
Nutrients, Care by Design, Craft Cannabis, Baker Botanica, and you, the listener. Thank you so much for giving me your time and attention and listening to this conversation with uh, Jessica Baker and my wife. She's an incredible plantologist. Normally at this point, I say how much I've learned about our guests through our conversation. These are, I get blessed with this conversation with her all the time. So thanks again for joining us. Download this and other episodes on therealdirt.com or look for us on the Real Dirt podcast on iTunes. Thanks again. See you next week.